Taxes and health insurance. What happens when you combine them? You got it. Confusion. Time flies when you're having fun. Welcome to the end of January. I'm Jay O. I'm the author of Maximize Your Medicare. The 2020 edition was published by Allworth Press earlier this month. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you can buy a book. You'll be able to purchase Maximize Your Medicare, the new edition. It's updated with all the new information for 2020. The largest library systems in the country pretty much all carry the book at this point. So from 5,000 feet... Here's what I don't really approve of, what I really don't like about the way that people try to segment different portions or different components of their financial life, right? In other words, I've been described lots of different things, some positive, some not so positive. Maybe they're not revealing all, the, all of that you know, directly to me, which is fine. You may have you know, a tax guy, an insurance guy a financial guy. Now, the issue that this is this brings up is that you know, these things interact. These different components they interact. And what happens is when people try to, you know, separate them. Private people, you try to think of them as separate issues, separate components. And without thinking about the interaction this is a problem, right? Um, for example, in securities, you know, there's going to be this, you can Google tax efficient investing, right? To lower your taxes and people make particular transactions at the end of the year or, you know, try to manage mutual fund distributions. Um, you know, there's, you know, tax loss harvesting, those type of topics you can see very, you know, commonly when it comes to your portfolio, your investment portfolios. You don't usually think or you don't usually hear about tax implications and health insurance. You should be because they do have some very important interactions and missing details here can be very, very costly. Let's start with the individual market. Uh, so if you are pre-65 in the individual marketplace, right? I am not talking about if you have been provided your insurance from your employer. We'll talk about that inter interaction in a moment. If you are an individual purchasing health insurance, then there is the APTC, Right. And this is the tax credit, which comes from the Affordable Care Act. Now, it's very important. People call it a subsidy. It is a tax credit as governed by the IRS. Right. So let's say that the base case, let's say your premium, the sticker price is $800 a month. And that your tax credit is $500 a month, meaning your net premium is $300 a month. 
So what you've actually done is you've collected a $6,000 tax credit, meaning $500 a month times 12. $6,000 is your tax credit. Now you need to understand that this is entirely contingent upon your income, your household income, and that is modified adjusted gross income, MAGI, okay, it's for you tax persons, and I'm not a CPA. You know, I've got a graduate degree in accounting, but that was really from financial accounting, which is the analysis of companies, not personal accounting, which is what CPAs do. Anyway, the measurement that the Affordable Care Act used is MAGI, Modified Adjusted Gross, okay? So this brings up a couple of different issues. First of all, is that certain states have widened, they have improved, they have also increased the amount of money available for these tax credits. This is very important because instead, maybe it's not $300 in your state, maybe it's $100. That will depend on your modified adjusted gross income. This is very important. Why is that? And the reason is that if you have a retired person or if you are an active investor, then certain investments may create income events which are taxable. And while people talk about the tax-efficient investing from on one hand, that also has the ripple effect of potentially affecting your APTC or your tax credit for health insurance. So fine, you've saved yourself $1,000 due to tax-efficient investing. That does you no good if you've lost the $6,000 of health insurance subsidy. This is, is going to happen. This has happened, first of all. Okay, let's be clear. This has happened. That by not watching, by not understanding this interaction, what ends up happening is securities broker, maybe, maybe just, or an advisor who doesn't understand these interactions, just simply executes and, you know, manages your portfolio creating tax events for their clients where that all of a sudden eliminates the subsidy for health insurance, thereby increasing their client's overall cost on health insurance to that degree. And this is pretty scary, right? Because securities person is simply looking at portfolio without thinking through or you know pointing out what these ripple effects are. And then second is the everyday person may not understand these interactions until, you know, these last seven minutes, right? Now, this becomes pretty important because what's ended up happening, as, I, as I've noted, which is certain states have improved, they've, they have taken out of their state budgets to basically improve the subsidy, and notably, Colorado, very famous case of doing so, Maryland. You know, what ends up happening is the state has improved their reinsurance program, which is a technical term that we don't need to fully discuss. It's beyond the scope of today, 
right? But the effect for the consumer is that the premium, the net premium has declined notably. Now, the ripple effects of this, right, is uh, addressed in Maximize Your Medicare. Because let's say you've lived in a state and because of your income level, you could have retired and your household income is low. Therefore, your let's say you turn 65 and you have a 64-year-old spouse. Well, if you live in one of these states, then you may have been able to get a very substantial subsidy driving down your net health insurance premium. Some persons and someone you know, almost certainly, has delayed retirement. And the sole reason being because they think that their employer's health insurance is superior in some way to the individual market. Now, that may be true. Okay, the actual coverage may be true, but the price may be substantially lower if you had the subsidy. There's no, is there any shortcut to going through the math of money? No, there's not. You know, you actually have to think through, okay, what is my net premium going to be in this instance? I have a 64-year-old spouse. What is his or her net premium going to be if I retire and am no longer covered by my employer-sponsored insurance? Okay. So Maximizer Medicare has these kinds of things that people, it alerts people, hey, there are these combinations for married couples that you'll want to look at. There are combinations for these for retirement decision-making. Right, because as as I said, we all know somebody who has not retired when they may have wanted to because they simply wanted to make sure that they had coverage from their employer and not necessarily for themselves, but for their spouse. So I think that that is it for the individual market in the sense that the other day, you know, I read some articles, you know, and some updates because state by state, what you have are these movements. And so you had the original Affordable Care Act. And then on top of that, you've got these state actions, which have also reduced the net premium for many people. Well, the ripple effect then becomes a tax matter. So you need to be careful, right? We can't be getting higher adjusted gross income to eliminate these subsidies. Okay, and you'll want to know exactly or not exactly, but with some precision, what kind of income or a very good estimate of that income will be through a calendar year because the ripple effects now on the way that you liquidate qualified funds, which were your pre-tax funds, for example, your 401k or whatever you else you call for qualified funds. Well, liquidating it and taking it into your personal checking account, that becomes a taxable event. Well, that taxable event gets added to your adjusted gross income. That can eliminate your subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. So please be careful. In the same way, or a similar a related way, 
Medicare Part B and Part D premiums are indexed to your modified adjusted gross income from two years prior. So what happens is, and we'll, we'll see this, and I'm just pointing this out because actually I don't make this point in the book because that's too far down the wormhole, which is that there are brackets of individual and household income. Okay, and those brackets were, I spoke to the Steve Pomerantz show, an NPR station um, who hosts this NPR talk show that, you know, I was the guest on it, you know, broadcast on NPR affiliates. And he was asking about this specific example about how the IRMA, and that is the technical or that's the term that Medicare uses for increasing your Medicare Part B and Part D premiums. Okay, so what ends up happening is if you have higher income, you have higher Part B and higher Part D premium. So my point here on this portion as regards to Medicare is to be very, very careful, cognizant, understand that when you are pulling funds from qualified sources, in other words, pre-tax sources, that you're creating an income event and that income event may have unintended consequences as far as your health insurance premium. So how does IRMA work? Now, IRMA uh, can be seen on the website for the book, MaximizeYourMedicare.com. It gives you the grid. You'll also be able to see the grid, for example, in government, in Medicare and you and other types of websites, things like that. It is readily available. The one clarification that needs to be made, however, is the so part B, if you're in a particular bracket, you get charged $144 and change. If you get another bracket, it goes higher. So that one is fairly clear. For part D, it's slightly more complicated, which is that you get charged the plans premium or the Medicare Advantage plans premium. And let's just call that X dollars because you've chosen plan one. And then you get the IRMA. So whatever that X is for that plan that you've selected, and then you tack on IRMA on top of it. So if it's a $25 a month Part D plan, and then you get IRMA, you have 25 plus IRMA. If you've chosen a $70 plan, you get 70 plus IRMA. So you're using the sticker price of whatever that Part D or Medicare Advantage plan first, and then adding the amounts, and you can see it on the grid there on MaximizeYourMedicare.com. For those persons affected by IRMA, there's one last thing here, which is due to the way that IRMA gets calculated and that the IRMA can be very, very high. In other words, for the very highest income levels, total IRMA is something on the order of six, sorry, $600 a month on top of Medigap premium, on top of Part D premium, for example. Okay, so in the book, what I'm pointing out here is that, look, even active employees, well, at small employers, fairly clear that it is very usually the case that private Medicare is superior to small business 
employer-sponsored plans, okay? Because of price or benefits and usually both. At large employers, the issue here is you can still opt out of your large employer plan. There can be reasons to do so. For example, you may not be paid. In other words, the large employer may still require you to pay some for your share of the monthly premium. And let's just call this $200 a month, which is possible, right? Which is possible. The employer pays the rest and let's just call it, you know, let's say they pay 600 and you're responsible for 200. Well, under Medicare, you can see what I'm saying under large employers, right? If, in other words, if you don't have Irma, what you what do you get? You get 144 for your Part B premium, and then you can have Medigap or Medicare Advantage with prescription drug coverage. In other words, you're going to be pretty close to this $200 number. And the actual coverage under Medicare, in other words, the deductible, the copay, the out-of-pocket maximum specifically in the private Medicare market almost certainly better than the employer-sponsored plan where, you know, in other words, Medicare, Medicare Advantage plans, there are very, very few Medicare Advantage plans where the out-of-pocket maximum is $10,000 for a person. And even that would have to be, and those are quickly dying. In other words, you can find $4,000 out-of-pocket maximum and much lower deductibles and much lower co-pays under individual Medicare. Now, this fact is actually not very well known by active employees, right? They just kind of coast along and think through themselves and go, well, my employer is kicking in and it doesn't seem like very much. They don't flip over the rocks to actually compare the coverage and price. Okay, so, and you can see, for example, the the real life example. And, you know, I've encountered this because, you know, we have clients nationwide. So a person has an eye condition, which is called macular degeneration. This, for those people who don't know, it requires constant, very expensive medical services. There's no getting around it. There's no getting around it. And so expensive, in fact, that you're certainly going to hit the deductible and almost to the out-of-pocket maximum, depending on what plan you might have under an employer. Well, under Medicare, this if you if you don't if you don't have to pay Irma, then you're talking about three hundred dollars a month, and then on top of that, after you meet the Part B deductible, zero out-of-pocket costs. So the math of money compared to the employer-sponsored plan is far superior in original Medicare. This isn't every case, right? We need to be careful here. This has everything to do with your individual situation. This is, you know, my job when I put on my commercial hat, right, which is to examine these types of situations for our clients, which is that this person who we, we knew requires this kind of healthcare service and would certainly incur these costs. Their most efficient financial path was not at their employer-sponsored plan. That's all I'm saying, okay? And I'm not making the blanket statement that is always the case. What I am am saying is absolutely worth checking. Okay, so that whole five-minute swerve there 
means that a very small subset of that, you know, there has to be a certain exception. And that is if you have very high income, right? Because now all of your math of money, now let's go back to our macular degeneration and the $200 responsibility. So now let's just say you are in the highest tax bracket according to Medicare. Well, your employer charges you $200, okay? Medicare will charge you $600 plus Medigap or Medicare Advantage plus your Part D premium if that's your path. So in other words, the math of money exercise has now become skewed. It changes, right? Because now all of a sudden your cost comparisons are different. It's no longer comparing 200 to 220. It's comparing 200 to 600, 700. Okay, and this is the point about the fundamental misunderstanding that people have about insurance and what actually insurance actually is. Insurance is a financial contract that you're paying for money. You're paying money today, premium, right? And in the instance that you require health care services, it helps defray the cost. But I didn't say that every you should have the best coverage irrespective of price you'll never hear me saying that you'll never ever hear me saying that right there's no situation because this is financial contract we are trying to value what is the most valuable financial contract for the individual situation that can be their health background that can be their financial background that can be how risk averse they are Let's stop here. Taxes and health insurance are confusing topics by themselves. Combined together, those are not very good ingredients for a tasty soup. I get that. So you may want to listen to this. If you have questions, you can send them to jae at maximizeyourmedicare.com. Be sure to subscribe to the website. There's also a YouTube channel, and it's hashtag much more than Medicare, because as you can hear, Health insurance, the premium, the cost, has these inter- have these interactions with these other areas. I've talked largely about tax and securities today, but it has to do with other things as well. Estate planning, continuation planning, etc., etc. Since the cost of health insurance has reached these highs, right, and since the downside of your financial net worth, if you require substantial medical care, is also so high, since the downside is so great, I should say. That's why I'm spending this time to try to explain through the issues here of the interactions across things that you may have thought were separate. They may actually not be. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you digest podcasts, give us a rating. I'm Jay. Speak with you next time.